You like things just so. So do we. The Bank of Clark is the bank for that. We all have an inner perfectionist who deserves things done their way. Maybe you like to bank in person. Maybe you prefer to bank online. We get it. From banking to lending to wealth management, we're all about getting things done just the way you like them. We're the bank for that. Find out what banking designed for you is all about. Visit your local Bank of Clark branch today or go to bankofclark.bank. We're the bank for that. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome to the Invest Like a Boss podcast. I'm Sam Marks. And I'm Johnny FD. We're self-made entrepreneurs who invest our own money and use modern technology to invest like a boss. Join us each week for exclusive interviews with our network of modern investors, business owners, and multimillionaires to discover new ways to invest our hard-earned cash. Welcome back, everybody. This is episode three of the Invest Like a Boss podcast. This is Sam Marks. I'm here with my co-host, Johnny FD, and we got a very special guest, my boy, Brian Jimerson, who runs Art of FX. Brian, Good to be in your penthouse apartment. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> so uh, Brian is a Forex trader, a professional Forex trader, among many other things. So we're going to dissect exactly what he does, what Forex trading is. I have an account with uh, Brian. It's very exciting. It's um, something um, that's a little bit different than, than uh, more traditional investments. And actually, we're here in Bangkok, a new location for Johnny and I. Uh, we just came south today. And um, I think you guys are going to find this really interesting on Brian's strategy, how he got into the business, the type of returns that he can make for himself and for managed clients of his. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into it. Brian, why don't you uh, give us a little rundown of what Forex trading is for the layman? Oh, Ting and I were talking about this earlier, and it was actually a, a funny question to ask because uh, when you start Forex trading, it's actually very difficult to explain it in layman's terms. Uh, basically, the best way to say it is Forex is the biggest market in the world. It's open 24 hours a day, five days a week. When one market closes, the other market is opening. Um, it is the highest volume and liquidity of any market in the world. All the stock markets combined are $26 billion a day in volume, while Forex is almost $10 trillion a day in volume itself. Um, so you have, <clears throat> you have Forex pairs. So you have like the euros to the dollars. So basically, the way you make money in Forex is the way you make money in the regular stock market. It's just different instruments. For instance, um, say I have uh, euros and I think the euro, or say I have dollars and I think the euro is going to go up. So I'll use my US dollars to buy euros. And if I think the euro is going to get stronger and then it does, I'll sell those euros and actually make my dollars back. And that's how you make it. Much like you do the stock market when you, you know, buy low, sell high type of theory, except it's just different instruments in the Forex game. Okay, that's cool. So from like super layman terms, so I personally don't have any investments in Forex and I don't, I don't do any Forex trading. So I'll let Sam talk a little bit more about his personal portfolio, what he has with you a bit later. But my own experience with, you know, I guess Forex exchange, and I know this is completely different from Forex trading, is... When I first came to Thailand in 2008, the Thai bot was like 35 to, to, to $1 US. And unfortunately, when I was super broke for f six years, the US dollar was super weak as well. And it was you know down to, I think, 28 or something at the lowest. Yep, yep. So for every US dollar, I would get 28 Thai bot. And in the last couple of years... It's shot up to 35. Yeah, yeah. I think it's actually around 36 right now, which is a lot better for people that are making their money with U.S. dollars, especially out here in, in Bangkok. Um, essentially, you know, if you have uh, 
say you go to Japan and you have one dollar and the the yen's about a hundred and nine. We'll just average out at a hundred. Uh, you walk into a store and you have you know one dollar, um, and you try to buy uh, you know some gum. You're you're basically uh, participating in foreign exchange when you take your U.S. dollars and you buy that gum that might be a hundred and twelve yen. Um, that's pretty much just how it works. It's just kind of on a different instrument to where you're using it on a computer instead of doing it in real life person. Right. So I own quite a, uh, a bunch of different foreign currencies. I have, I have overseas banks that I hold, uh, let's say Singapore dollars and Chinese RMB. So one play on like foreign exchange, uh, on Forex is basically just buying foreign exchange. Right. So I bought like a bunch of Chinese RMB at like at the, at the at the worst point at like five point nine five right <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. like a strongest point of the, the Chinese currency of course that's and now and now works. it's at like six point five yeah. so I bought a chunk of that I'm holding it in my bank and my purpose of doing that is just essentially a hedge against the U S dollar um, it's something that I'm looking at doing like long term over over five years but typically like in a day where a stock can move say several points like five percent a typical forex or a foreign currency exchange is maybe moving only like 0.1 or 2% or something, right? It's very small. Well, the percentage wise is very small, but the point wise is much greater. So if you have, um, for instance, I made a little money on Tesla when Tesla was around $60. I bought, sold it at around $100 to where it was a, it was a large increase, but that took uh, several years for Tesla to get to that level. With the currency exchange, you can get in, say, uh, we'll just use the euro to the U.S. dollar because it's the most popular and traded currency. Um, you can get into the euro one day and maybe some news is released or the Fed has some talks and uh, people or investors don't like what they hear or they do like what they hear. You can see movements up to six, 700 points. I've seen movements two to 3,000 pips a day. Uh, pips are points uh, in other terms. Um, and even furthermore, you know, you have drastic events like what happened uh, to January 16th ago where the dollar chief and the SMB lowered the pegs on all their uh, currency pegs. And you had things that dropped 30, 40 percent in one day, uh, which is like 60,000, 70,000 points. So it can move a lot more than your actual stock market. But that's one of the reasons that we like it, because you can benefit from the greater moves more. All right. So I know with like stocks, every time you make a trade, there's some kind of fee. Is that the same for Forex? Yeah, you know, essentially it is. Uh, say with Ameritrade or something, you open up a trade, it'll be a standard 4 to $5 per stock. Uh, depending on the size of your trade in Forex will be how much commission you have. With the Euro to the US, if you open up one standard lot, it's going to be $20 commission on average. Um, so that's how the breaker makes all their money. If a person or a retail trader makes 20 trades a day, and that's 20 times 20 if they do 20 lots on commissions that the broker makes. Right. And then for like a typical person who I don't think most people get into Forex trading before they would get into like stock purchasing. Right. I think buying stocks, bonds, mutual funds is probably one of the first things someone does with investing. Then you have people that maybe want to buy foreign currencies and hold them. And then you might get into people who are buying, say, like ETFs or something that tracks another currency. But the real beauty and like what you guys do is and how you can make a lot of money if you're not investing like billions and billions of dollars like the institutional investors is using leverage, right? 
Yes, yes. Leverage is um, you know, it's a very, very good thing to have if you know what you're doing. It's also a very slippery slope. Um, the standard leverage in America is one to 50, which essentially means if I have a thousand dollars and I put it in my broker, then I can trade with the equivalent of $50,000. So you put up a thousand, the broker puts up the rest. But what people don't realize is they think that, you know, if I get this extra margin that I should use all of this margin. So, uh, the U S basically limited to 50 to one because there were so many people over trading and it was causing the brokers to lose money. But in other countries and other brokers that aren't U.S. based, you can get all the way up to 1,000 to 1 leverage, which basically means if you have $1,000, you can go in and make the same level of trades as somebody if they have a million dollars. And people will do that, but what they don't understand is you're going to have, if the market swings against you at all, you're going to lose your $1,000 immediately. And that's what the broker bets on. The broker advertises and markets it in a way that makes you think that getting a higher leverage means you're going to make more money, but it's not. In fact, it's only a way to where it should give you more breathing room. If I open up a trade and I have more leverage at one to say 300 and the trade goes against me, I can, you know, adjust my strategy, which is a necessity in Forex every day. I can adjust my strategy or I can hold the trade and have a little more breathing room without suffering too much of a loss. Uh, if I take advantage of the margin and just open up a bunch of trades, then if it goes against me at all, it's going to really, really hurt me a lot faster. And this, it's the broker's fault basically, because they want people to trade more. So they say, Hey, you know, you got one to 1000 or one to 500 and people think they're rich in trade land. And when it kind of comes down to it, they're just going to lose their money faster. But again, this is how the broker takes advantage of people and makes their money. So to me, as someone who hasn't ever done Forex, I can tell right away this is something you know a lot more advanced. So uh, in a second, I'm, I'm going to ask Sam exactly why uh, he invested in it. Kinda, and I'm going to ask you as well, um, Brian, like who this is for. But just kind of give everyone context. So in episode one, we talked about Sam's investments. In episode two, we talked about mine, which are more, I, I think most of mine at least, or like very, even though I, I'm level 10 in, in, uh, in, in risk factor on like things like Wealthfront, even then, it's still very straightforward. It's still like just in, investing like index funds, which is very safe, right? I can see right behind you where, where Brian is sitting. There are six screens, you know, and uh, you know CNBC is on as well. So it's like the seventh screen. There's all these crazy graphs going on. Uh, <laughs> can, can you just briefly t- like tell everyone like what is like what is all this? Um, you know, this is basically how you can make money in the forex market. You can't look at one screen and see all the time frames uh, and all do all the technical analysis that you have to do. Uh, you, you know, you don't want to get too much information overload, but uh, you basically want to put yourself in a situation where you can see enough to be able to jump into the trades at the right time or get out of trades at the wrong time uh, without having to click through 30 different screens on your one computer. So that, that kind of goes back to uh, where Brian and I met. Uh, which was, I guess, maybe a year and a half ago or so in, in Bangkok. And Brian and I actually coincidentally lived in the same building and lived right next to each other on the top two units of uh, of our building. And we had never met. And I came home one night having had a, a few too many cocktails <laughs> and stumbled into his room thinking it was my room. And what did I see was like this desk with like eight computer screens lined up and all these crazy graphs. And I was just like in awe. And I thought uh, I was so impressed that I decided 
to take a piece of paper and write a note to whoever it was that was living in this this dwelling and um <laughs> and the next day yeah so I, I left it there and then i think the next day we met and uh, i don't think it was the next day i think we didn't meet for quite a while actually well, um, you maybe wrote a note back or whatever yeah but- I, I think i did leave a note on your door <laughs> uh it was like hey what's up we should hang out and i was like <laughs> okay cool but i don't think i met you for a while until we were actually officially introduced right. i think you'd left and, and done something um because i i saw you come home that night with your buddy mm-hmm. uh and stumble into your room um i just wasn't <laughs> awake when you stumbled into so, my room it <laughs> left me so some the, notes the, one of the unique things about bangkok is as an amazing city as it is is like the professionals and people that are, are are doing worthwhile things here tend to to click together and, and network really easily. So shortly after Brian and I got reconnected by another person and um, he was telling me about what he did and, and um, the success Brian was having. So we set up a meeting and then Brian and I met and realized that we had lived next to each other and that was how we had originally been acquainted. But um, and then I started like diving into Brian and his business partners. His name's Tang. Um, in uh their company art of fx and was just fascinated by what they do and their strategy and and wanted to be part of it um so that's how we met that's how i invested uh just on my account so i I invested i won't say how much but it's it's a significant amount of money um and it's up i think last last year was up like 28 percent, and then year to date maybe up like another 18 or something percent so and it's it's you know it's it's a super active account it's being it's being active daily so where like if you put money with a financial advisor you know they might buy something when you first give them money and they might not touch it for like eight years whereas like this like you can go in and watch every single day and they're making trades and they're like winning or losing and you're watching like your stocks go up and and not your stocks your your account or your equity going up and down so it's it's really cool and i think it's fascinating to to talk about and see the strategy um Brian, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, I think your story of how you got into Forex is like really cool. And, and like, how did you make your first dollar? How'd you make your first trade? Um, well, it is quite the interesting story. I, um, I'd had some ventures previously in my life that, uh, that, you know, were pretty good, but didn't work out exactly how I wanted them to. Um, and I, I kind of ended up in a situation to where I was homeless, uh, living in my car with my two dogs. Um, and not many people know this. It's not a story I want to share with too many people, but, um, you know, and I really didn't have anything to do with life. I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it. And, um, I had a laptop and, and two big dogs in my car. Um, so I thought one day I would just head down, uh, steal some Wi-Fi from Panera bread and, uh, try to teach myself how to Forex trade. And, uh, I put my last, uh, $1,500 or so into it. And I uh, just force myself every single day to read and, and learn and listen and try to figure out how to do this trading thing until after about three years or so, I turned that 1500 into just a little bit over $1 million. I mean, first off, huge congratulations for, for doing that. I mean, there's so many people that would have been in your situation and would have just felt bad for themselves, would have blamed others and just, you know, crawled up in an apartment with the bottle of Jack. And said, "This is it. I'm, I'm going to go on welfare." I mean, if I could have afforded a bottle of Jack, I probably would have done that. Well, well, now look, buddy, you're drinking Johnny Walker Platinum Label. I've moved up to the Platinum Label. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> me and Sam have this this thing where every uh, episode we drink some type of whiskey or wine or something, and 
Um, even though this podcast is on episode three, we're not making any money yet. <laughs> Sam's like, let's go straight for the platinum. <laughs> and if, if you guys listen to episode two, we had uh, oh, my Ben Moore from 7-Eleven, which is $15 a bottle of whiskey. And I was thinking, okay, maybe we'll, we'll start there and we'll, we'll slowly rise up. But, you know, Sam has big plans. Um, so actually, so right before we, we did this episode, uh, we were hanging up on, on the hanging out on the rooftop of brian's condo here in bangkok beautiful place overlooks the whole city it's in succumbit which is like the the main street where all the cool you know cool things are and i didn't realize this but brian was one of the uh partners or co-founders of flashlight oh not flashlight no 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 uh on it labs i i uh, my buddy asked me to be vp of on it labs when he started that and uh, so we started that together. I did, however, work at Fleshlight with uh, a guy named Steve Shubin started Fleshlight. And he uh, he is one of the greatest men I know. He's a great guy. He's a client. He's one of my best friends. And uh, I was working there for about five years before um, I started the uh, on it with my buddy Aubrey. Um, <clears throat> and it was quite the experience. It's one of the biggest uh, sex toy companies in the world. And there was uh, a lot of wild things going down there on a lot of days. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, so, so sorry about that. I think I mixed it up because so Aubrey was one of the one of the partners in Flashlight. No, Aubrey not? is uh, Steve Shubin's, uh the the owner and creator of Fleshlight. Steve was the brainchild for that, and Aubrey was Steve's stepson. Um, so Aubrey was working for Fleshlight as well. But as far as I know, Steve had everything to do with that, and Aubrey was working there. Um, and then Aubrey branched off uh, to do his other things and have his own success in his own life, and that's when uh, On It was started. Okay, that, that's, that's crazy. So you went from you know working uh, for this big, one of the, probably one of the world's biggest sex toy companies, and then co-founding On It, which is currently one of the biggest supplement companies out there, promoted heavily by Joe Rogan and a lot of other celebrities, and then due to a you know a bunch of events you ended up having to start all over again yeah you know uh life is life is really about those start overs and those do overs sadly and uh you know sometimes you get a lot of them and sometimes you get more than you want and that wasn't one that i necessarily wanted but uh things happen the way they do and and unfortunately it worked out for the best so now you're in bangkok you're originally from austin texas uh, I'm from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Uh, right. I moved oh, to, that's right. You that's got a right. national that's championship right. yeah, ring. Right. been rocking yeah, around. That's uh, right. So he played for Oklahoma. He played against my Florida State Seminoles in the national championship. Killed him. And uh, we'll leave that at that. But um, <laughs> you moved to Austin. Now you're in Bangkok. So like, what? what's the big draw to – I mean, we met in Bangkok. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I think it's a fantastic city. What's the big draw for you for – for living here and you know it's funny when i first got to bangkok i didn't even really like it um i had never been here before i had never met ting before my my partner and um <clears throat> we're talking one day we'd never met in person we'd been working together for a year and he says hey we should go to thailand you know he'd been basing himself out of bangkok here and there for a couple years and i thought i've never been i just started traveling i just started to have money you know let's uh let's try it out so we came out to bangkok purely for holiday i was going to be here for two months and go back home i was here for two days i hated it i was here for three days i loved it after the three days i never wanted to go back 
The one time I went back, I went back for two weeks. I was over it, came right back. So you come to Bangkok, you started Forex trading. You're trading your own money at this point, I presume? Yeah, I tra- um, I started with my own money. Um, so, of course, I'm doing that. And then you know, we started taking clients several years ago. So at what point did you move from taking from managing your own money and trading your own money, I guess, essentially mastering Forex trading to getting your first client. And what was, what was the decision to move into doing client work versus Uh, the the decision was easy. Um, you know, more money is more profit for us, more profit for the company. Um, any smart businessman is going to say, you know, yes, it's nice trading your own money, but if you have more money, it's going to be nicer. Uh, obviously I didn't want to get into the, where I'd have the ability to lose people's money for them until I was good enough to where I'd made money for several years. And actually I, and it was never even an idea, um, for me until I'd gotten a phone call one day from a very, very wealthy man in London who invited me out to uh, talk about managing some money for him who had been following my results on, uh, online. You can, you know, uh, you, I had a, a, pretty big following off a community called daily FX before it got shut down, uh, which is also where I met Ting. Um, so it, I never, until I got flown out to London and this guy took me out and wine and dine me. So I'd manage his money that I even think about managing for people because honestly I was just too stressed and too emotional to ever think about losing somebody I cares about money. Cause there's nothing worse than just, you know, you don't want to have to call your buddy and say, Hey, I lost this or I lost that. You want to be able to call people and say, I made this, look at my records. Uh, so, you know, you wait around until you have enough time to where you build enough of a reputation for yourself to where you're able to do that. Yeah, and the fact that you, and did you say earlier that you made, you went from having almost nothing from $1,500 to making your first million just off of uh, Forex trading? Yeah, yeah, I actually, um, it was just off Forex trading. Um, it, it's a, it's it was a rough road. Now I, I had $1,500. I invested it. Um, within the first two weeks I had made $10,000 and I had never traded before. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be a billionaire. I'm going to have all the money forever and I'm never gonna have to worry about it. And, uh, <clears throat> I actually got out of my car to go to the bathroom in the, in the trees. And when I came back, I had margin called and I had uh, lost everything that I had except maybe like $600. Um, and I and I went from 1500 to around 96 to uh, like $600, all in about 15 to 20 seconds. Um, because at this point, I was too inexperienced to know there was a Forex calendar. I, there was events coming out. Every little second of every day mattered. So that's why I like to get in and out as fast as possible now, because you just never really know what can happen. So Sam made... 31% last year, which is insane because if you put your money in you know, in the savings account or U.S. Treasury bonds, you're lucky to get 2% returns in this day and age. So making 31%, obviously this is something that is very high reward, but would you also consider this very high risk? I would definitely consider it high risk, but I would say that mainly it's high risk because People don't know what they're getting into, you know, like as Sam referred to earlier, when people first start doing investments, they're doing stocks and, you know, ETFs and things that are low risk and you don't have to look at when people start doing Forex, it's something you have to pay attention to every single minute of every single day. So it's a completely different animal altogether. I think it's pretty interesting to look at, like, if I can't look at, obviously, like all of your 
your uh, trends and performance, but I assume that mine is similar to a lot of your a lot of your managed money. And if you look at it, like it's a very sexy chart, right? It's generally in an up direction, and occasionally you have win like win streaks where it looks like maybe like seven to ten days in a win, and then you have like a significant drop off. So can you take us through like what what's actually what's the biggest loss that you've ever had? And take us through like some of some of the things that you that that cause risk events. Okay. Well, mainly the the biggest risk events are fundamental. And for the people that don't know what that is, fundamentals are news events, world events. Uh, a country goes to war. A country drops a bomb. A country changes their their rates. Um, all of these things are are huge huge risks. <laughs> it's it's a Sad, sad story, but the biggest loss I ever had was actually right when I got to Bangkok, right when I met Ting, um, we were trading and I was 24, 25 lots long on gold and I lost a uh, million dollars in about 10 seconds. Um, and the reason for this... In Bangkok. Yeah, in, in 10 seconds and not the good way either. Um, and, and what had happened is the, the Fed were talking, Janet Yellen was making a speech at say 7 p.m. I think and... The news, I believe, was released about 40 seconds previous, and um, other big big dogs, big traders got a hold of that. Banks got a hold of that, and so gold dropped, you know, several thousand points in about 10 seconds, uh, so, and I was long gold. So it didn't even have a chance to hit my stop loss because uh, there's no data when it gaps down. So basically, when the data started registering from a move that was so violent – finally started registering it again it registered about a thousand points under where the stop should have been and ended up you know looking up to ting and saying uh, i just lost a million dollars and uh you know ting had never seen anything like that before and i had neither uh, and so naturally the the only thing to do after that was just to put some clothes on and go to levels <laughs> so so what happens after after that do you like i mean is it a is it a client nightmare like do you get are most of your clients expecting these types of things or you know honestly nobody ever expects these type of things and that's the thing about the the financial business in general you know you make friends you make enemies every day uh people love it when you make them money and they hate you when you're not and most people don't realize the risks and and unless you're doing it every single day and spending 20 hours at the computer it's it's near impossible to comprehend the actual risk and work and hours that are put into it so um, yeah, you know, you get some calls from clients when that happens that are, that are pretty angry at you, uh, you know, but you turn it around and you, and you do some longer term things and you make money for them. And ultimately, if you make them happy, uh, in the long run, then it's okay. But yeah, explaining those awkward conversations about how you didn't have control over losing this. Fortunately, at this point, um, it was, it was most of my money. Uh, I guess fortunately and unfortunately, uh, it was mostly my money. But yeah, I mean, it's it's never easy to tell anybody that you care about, and we do care about every single client we have um, that you know you lost money for them, and it's always great to be able to tell them you make money for them. So I don't know if you guys watched the TV show Billions, but this kind of reminds me of that where there's there's this guy who you know it's basically the opposite, and I think forex trading from from what I can tell is the complete opposite from index funds or what we're going to talk about in the next episode which is annuities which has like a guaranteed contactual um interest rate of you know like two percent or three percent and you can't lose money because it's it's written down 
but you also don't have the chance of making 31%. No, I mean, we've had we've had years that we made 1,200%. I have years on record that I made 1,346%. It's my best year. Uh, two Januarys ago, I made 126%. Um, normally, when you get to the higher numbers, you know, you don't take quite as many risks because to our clients, it's more important to not lose money than to make money. So if you can give me your money and I can make you more money than JP Morgan or, you know, Bank of America who will give you, you know, 0.2% a year, um, then ultimately it comes out a win. And, and big investors that do several hundred thousand or we have a couple people that are in, uh, you know, several million, um, they would much rather look at their account and see they made 2% on 6 million than negative uh, 5% on, you know, 500,000 or something smaller. Okay, so I actually have a question for Sam. So you don't have to say the exact amount, but like when you when you invest in Forex, are you putting in like more than 10% of your total investments or is it just is it just like, you know, something kind of fun where you're like if this makes a lot of money, it uh awesome, you know, it's like a big gamble or it, are you like okay, if I lose all this money because it's a big risk, I'm okay with it because it's not a it's not a big part of my total investment portfolio. Yeah, it's 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 a single digit uh percentage of my total portfolio. I would say it's uh, under 5%. It's still significant money. But for me, like this was something that was totally new. It was something I, I, you know, and a lot of times with a lot of my investments, I'm not expecting to make a lot of money. I'm expecting to learn something and, and hopefully get an expertise in a new area. So when I saw this and I saw and I met Brian and, and understood what they did and their strategy, and it, it was it was very much um, a learning investment for me to be able to to get into this, to be able to kind of, you know, live generally in the same area as Brian, learn a little bit from him and, um, and see what's what. So it was, um, it's a definitely, I consider it like part of my risk portfolio, but, um, you know, it's, it's it far outperformed anything that any other type of holdings that, uh, that I had last year. So it's been great. And yeah. So I, I invested 50% of my total account with him initially, and then after things were performing well after three months, then I doubled up and um, yeah, I wish I had done more, but I guess it's, it's not, never you know, too late. Yeah, exactly. So that's one cool thing that's with like Forex. It's like, you know, so, sometimes you invest in the stock and then it goes up like 20% and you're like, damn, I wish I had invested more. But with Forex, like every day is a new day, right? Yes, like, exactly. It's never like you're too late. Markets good, markets down, Armageddon, like, yeah, you can I, still make money in any of market. Of course, you know, it doesn't really matter what the market's doing. I mean, in, in stock market, most people are bulls. Uh, so, you know, you get some a hot stock tip from one of your buddies who says, uh, you know, buy this, buy that. And you buy it and you hold it for a year and you look at it and it, and it is what it is. But with Forex, I, every day I wake up, I clear my charts off. I put new indicators on. I put new trend lines on. I look at it differently, and you just have a fresh face. And every single day, you don't know if that's the day that you make 20%. You don't know if that's the day you make 40%. You don't know if that's the day that you lose 5%. You just never really know. And that's one of the things you like about it. But ultimately, it just comes down to following a system that you create that, you know, you stick to your rules and you keep doing what you do. You stay consistent. You know, you know when to cut your losses and you know when to keep your winners. Yeah, and that's that's uh, that's a very hard thing and a very disciplined thing to do. And maybe you could take us through like a typical day of trading. Like, how many trades would you make in a typical day? And give us an idea of 
like do you how much leverage you might use on that and um you know it it depends we have different leverage on different accounts um i believe your account is actually leveraged 300 to 1 which is uh merely because the broker is we are friends with and uh the the broker has allowed us to have that large of uh margin with that large of account that's 300 to 1 so like that's i mean just to the layman like that's that's a that's huge leverage no yeah yeah uh they go actually they all go all the way to 1000 to 1 which is um you know if you're a good trader you're a good trader doesn't matter what your margin is if you're actually a really good trader you're going to trade the same on 50 to 1 as you are in 500 to 1 because you know that the larger margin just gives you more ability to have breathing room so if a trade doesn't go exactly the way you want it gives you the ability to let that trade ride out a little bit and give you the chance of having a winner regardless. All right, so I, I don't know how much Sam has in Forex, but just to kind of throw a random number out there, uh, just you know, for everyone to kind of understand. So let's say he had $100,000 in Forex and you leverage it 300 to 1. Does that mean you guys are trading $3 million? Yeah, it means you times that by, by 300. And that's how much you're essentially trading with. So just think if you have a thousand dollars and you have a thousand to one leverage, then you're trading with a million dollars, and that's just a thousand. Okay. So with upside, it sounds like it'd be incredible because do you get all that upside, uh, or is it not because because it's not really? Well, I mean, it just basically comes down to the way you're trading. Again, like leverage should only be taken advantage of if you're an experienced trader. Um, a lot of people will get the higher leverage and they'll say, okay, well I'll put this trade on. Well, I got plenty of leverage left. Um, maybe I'll make another trade. And then before they know it, they have nine trades on with all this extra leverage. And then it goes against them a little bit and they get margin called, which means they lost their money. Um, so if you, if you use leverage to your advantage, just letting you have trades that can last longer and breathe, um, maybe your strategy doesn't go right, but because you have enough leverage, it can, you know, move around or move against you without hurting you too much. That's when you really take advantage of it, as opposed to the way the brokers market it to you is 1,000 to 1 leverage. Get in there and just you make all the money, just make all the trades because they just want you to make more trades because they make more commissions with that. Okay, so in the ideal world, you know, everything's going up. If you took advantage of all that leverage, you would make crap load of money, right? Yeah, if you could, but statistically, it would be a statistical anomaly to be able to take care of a 500 to one leverage used to the max every trade. Because if you did that every single trade to the max and you won 90% of your trades, it would only take one losing trade to make you lose all of your profit. And uh, money management is something that people don't understand a lot in Forex. And that's where most people become losers because they learn how to trade, but they don't learn how to lose. And that's a big thing that you have to do. So with the 300 to one leverage that, that Sam has on, on his account, I'm assuming it's more like you're you're still taking advantage of having the leverage, but you're not. I take advantage of having leverage because if I if my strategy doesn't do what I want, I can basically just say, okay, well, I'll just leave that trade on right now. Um, but when we get to this level, we we talk to the client and we talk to them about their risk and what they want as far as risk management. Um, some people are very risky. Some people say, I don't care if I get into a thirty percent drawdown. In a thirty percent drawdown, a drawdown means that you have one open trade, say you have $100,000 and you have one open trade and that trade goes against you and it's negative $30,000. That is a 30% drawdown. Um, and a lot of people don't care. I have clients that will say, just don't get over 50% drawdown. And then I have clients that will say, 
don't get under 2% drawdown. With Sam, we try to keep it around 5 to 6%, but it has gotten a little worse. Most of the time, it's been better, though. Are you trying to say I'm temperamental and overly excited? Yes, <laughs> I am now. Now that we've said that, I'm definitely trying to say that. So so what is like, what's the biggest win that you, you said the biggest loss? You lost a million dollars in like yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. What's the biggest win that you've had? And was it for yourself or for the client or the client pool? Everything I do for myself is also for the client pool at this point because the majority of my uh, accounts are all into my MAM account, which is basically just a managed account. So if I, I put one trade on and you have a $20,000 account, the trade that I make is automatically leveraged perfectly to your account to where you make the same trade that I do with the same amount of leverage, same amount of size, same lot size and everything. So... What, one more, one more thing on the uh, daily trading. So, how many trades are do you make in a day? Okay, well, hold on. Let me get back to you. Yes, my best trade ever. Um, I would say my best trade ever was you know somewhere between one hundred and fifty and two hundred thousand. Um, yeah, I mean, I for instance, your account made three thousand eight hundred and sixty trades, I believe, in the last uh, eleven months or so, if, if I'm recalling that off my brain right. Um, so I make many, many trades a day, and those trades are all like like you're putting in that trade yeah you put in that trade manually and you watch that trade until either your hair falls out or you hit your target or it stops you out and then you you get out of that trade so i mean i can some days i'll make 20 trades some days i'll make 100 trades some days i'll make 50 trades on four different brokers and so that's like you know 200 trades some days i'll make 20 trades on two brokers it just kind of depends on what setup i'm seeing when and I also have to decipher what each person's risk is. If somebody's risk is 2%, then I can't make 50 trades. Somebody's risk is 20%, I can make, you know, 50 trades. So I'm curious. So if it, I, I know you have kind of have to respect the, the client, right? You know, if they don't have a huge risk tolerance, they said, you know, don't let my, my money drop by more than 2%. You have to respect that. But in the ideal world, like if there was someone like, let's say for, for me, my, my personal uh, portfolio, right? Um, I'm an entrepreneur. I have, I have income coming in. I don't have any debt. I don't have any responsibilities. Uh, I have some extra money in the bank. Let's say I gave you, you know, um, a good amount of, a good amount of money, but you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna make me homeless if I, if I lose it all. And I said, you know, go ahead and go aggressive with it. Just do whatever you want. What, like, what would be, the, be like, what would make, make your day, you know, like like what? What would like the dream client be? Like what I say to you, go ahead and lose ninety eight percent of it. Is <laughs> ultimately the the dream client is somebody that doesn't um, that doesn't look at we we give everybody a, a link to where it updates you know depending on the client once every couple of weeks once every month. Um, we used to actually do live links to where somebody could click on a link and see their account every second of every day. It just became the biggest headache ever because. You know, people that aren't experienced in trading and don't know, they just get on and they just click refresh, click refresh, click refresh. And every time that it refreshes, because, you know, some days we'll make a couple percent or lose a couple percent. It changes every 30, 45 minutes because I make, you know, 50, 60 trades a day on somebody's account. Um, people will get on there and just look and they'll just say, oh, we're down 2%. Oh, we're up 3%. Oh, we're down 2%. I'm like, it's been three days. Just relax. Come back in a couple years and look at this. Um, the, ultimately, the dream client is somebody that has enough patience and understanding and intelligence. They just know that an investment is an investment. They will never, ever, ever invest anything that they are not willing to lose. 
And so therefore they don't have the emotions. And if you don't have the emotions and you're not stressing yourself out about it, then you're the perfect client. Because if you're not stressing yourself out, you're not stressing me out and you're going to make a lot more money. Because if you're calling me every day telling me, I need this, I need this, I need this, I got to do this. I need this percent. Why are we down this? It's stressing me out and it's going to be harder for me to trade on your account because I'm going to be like, I don't want to lose this. He's freaking out. I don't want to do this. He's going to freak out. doesn't give you a chance to have a lot of breathing room. Gotcha. So you're making 20 trades a day, let's just say. That's an easy day. That's just a lot of trades. Like even if I was trying to pick 20 stocks a day, I mean, that's an incredible amount of intelligence that you have to have. So what do you rely on to get your data to make all of these trades every single day, day in and day out? Is it charts or some type of data? Yeah, I mean, I'm a technical analysis guy. I'm somebody that truly doesn't believe in the fundamentals, which is the world news. If I know uh, some big world news is going to come out, for the most part, I will just completely stop trading because it'll make big moves as soon as the news is released. But overall, uh, it doesn't really affect it. It just makes a big move up and down, whips around, and then it, it basically falls into the technical scheme. I do supply and demand, which you'll hear a lot of people talk about. I like price action, which is basically just, you know, I'm looking at the charts and I've looked at the charts for so many hours, for so many days that I can kind of just tell you, you know, which direction it's going to go up and down. From the sounds of it, you're like the complete opposite from like a robo investor, right? Someone that, you know, like a lot of things that I, that we talk about on, on the show and we invest in ourselves, it's kind of just like, you know, there, there's no, there's no trades almost. It's almost like, I buy VTI next fund and I'm going to hold it forever. Basically. <laughs> See, that's the thing. I don't, I don't call those people traders. I call those people investors. Um, cause you, you invest in something. It's a long-term thing. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen now. It's not going to happen then. If you trade, then you're a, a, like, you know, they call them day traders. You're on there. You're focused. You're looking at the market 20 hours a day. It's completely brutal. You never sleep. Uh, your hours are atrocious. It's emotional. You know, I've, you know, I, I probably haven't slept great in seven years and I probably look like that. I haven't slept great in 20. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I can see that. I mean, you're, you know, we're sitting in this room, you have so many screens on that. Even if I <laughs> wanted to sleep in a few hours, I couldn't. I'll tell you what, this couch that you're sitting on is where I sleep every night. I got a king bed right there about five feet away. I can't even get up off of my couch to not be trading in the middle of the nights where i just sleep right here i was looking uh, you know it's funny okay so we're in this giant penthouse how many rooms is this place uh i don't know it's like five thousand square feet okay so it's a really big place this entire top floor of this building the 28th floor or something overlooking the city and it's huge and the very first thing i noticed is none of the beds ha even have sheets on it it's like it's almost like i i wonder I'm like who lives this place and the only room that's like really looks like it's been being used is your desk that has seven screens yeah. with all this stuff my desk is actually the only room that's being officially used uh i've slept in my bed twice since i've been here i've been here for two months um honestly you know i i normally get to be able to sleep a little bit more but it's been pretty volatile the last couple of months and made it and made it pretty difficult um, you know, honestly, if I get, if I get an hour of sleep every night or two, I'm, I'm pretty excited and thrilled about it. So I think that, okay, so definitely the upside of this is you're like the type of guy that people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people really like are trying to find because you're willing to not sleep. You're willing to, you know, invest your own money and do these, you know, crazy ballsy trades, you know, a minimum of 20, but up to hundreds of trades a day. 
and just work your butt off. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it it's it's a fickle situation. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I do like to uh, make a lot of trades and, and work my ass off for it because that's just the way it is. However, you know, um, you know, sleeping. <laughs> Sleeping is valuable. I would like to sleep some, but I've never been a big sleeper anyway. So I kind of fell into the trade, luckily, uh, that required the least amount of sleep, um, being able to just not sleep and stay up. So if I'm going to be up anyway, I'd like to be up making money. Okay, so the worst case scenario, let's say you get hit by a bus and you know, hopefully you don't, right? What happens to all the client's money? Well, <laughs> if you go into my like Google Drive or something, I have every each client I have. I just have their information, uh, and I have you know a file that says if I die, and that file basically you open that and it's all my clients, and it's like okay, well this person has this much, this person has this much, this is this person's information. If anything happens to me, this is where it goes, you know. And you know these days there's so much of a paper trail for everything that it wouldn't be an issue because somebody would just say, oh, I had this in there, and the the authorities would look at it and say, okay, this was there, this is theirs. It would be pretty easy for him to figure out. But hopefully I'm not hit by any buses. Hopefully I go out in one of the many other ways it's possible. Well, living in Bangkok, there's uh, over a million and 50 ways that have been documented as ways to go. The Wild West has nothing on this. (laughs) It's not not exactly like uh, sitting in uh, North Carolina in your log cabin. No, no, but much better. The... Ever since I invested with you guys and I've been paying a slightly more attention to Forex, it seems like everyone who there, there's a huge discrepancy in people that make money in Forex and lose money in Forex. I think I heard a stat sometime, somewhere along the line said like 95% of people that do Forex trading lose money. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, 97, 98% is something around. Let's, see, let's say 95 to 98. The The problem with Forex trading, and, and much like trading in general, people can put on a trade on Tesla and know that it'll do good in 10 years probably. So it's not really trading. Um, you know, with Forex, you know, you can... Disclosure, Johnny and I both own Tesla stock and Teslas. <laughs> so I actually never ended up buying Tesla stock because I promised myself that I would never buy stock again. Oh, but we do. We did both put down uh, deposits on the new Tesla, uh, on a whim as well. So, <laughs> uh, oh, I saw. I saw you signing those papers, didn't I? Which ones? Your Tesla paper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnny got me to buy a Tesla, but I've been own, owning stock for a while, and I've, okay. I've just recently bought more. I think it's more of a man crush on Elon Musk. I'll just buy anything just to say. I'm- I actually I made a fair amount of money on Tesla. I, I bought it at sixty and sold around a hundred or something like that. I wish I'd have held it for years and years because it's such a good stock <laughs> you uh, well what was that original question you asked me sorry I'd uh, we're talking about like the, the winners and losers and forex and, and you know it's it's hard you have to think completely different than people you know if you're if you want to have the right mindset you can't think about things like anybody else does that if you if you go with the flow you're going to lose money and that's why people lose so much because they're not expecting to uh, the market will contrast. I, I often say that that forex and trading in general is like a timeline of human psychology. Uh, you know, if everybody is thinking one thing, the market will surely prove you wrong every time. And if you can be one of those few people that thinks different, one of those two to three percent that thinks different, you're going to be able to make money. And a part of thinking different is just having the discipline to have a strategy. And if you have a loser, you got to cut it out. And if you got a winner, you got to let it ride. It's very very hard to do. Because if you have a couple winners in a row, 
you know, you want to let the next one, you know, ride out till it wins. But, you know, greed will take over and you'll let that winner turn into a loser and a bigger loser and you'll be afraid to cut it. You know, I don't want to cut this negative $10,000. I don't want to cut this as negative 12. If I just wait around longer, it'll be better. But that's the type of personality and the mindset that will make you be the ultimate loser. What really excites me about this is the fact that last year stocks were pretty flat, right? So if you invested in an index fund or something, you made almost pretty much nothing. And, and at the same time, uh, Sam made 31%, which is insane, you know, insanely high. And it had uh, a chance to, to be even bigger of an upside. Um, so if somebody wanted to, to invest with you, like what, what in general, like what is the, the minimum that you would, you would take? Uh, you know, it honestly, it depends. Um, I have a, a website and I teach Forex education for those that are willing to try to learn. What we find most of the time is everybody wants to be a trader. It's, you know, it's, people have this, cons, you know, this misconception about the job that I'm a day trader, I'm making millions of dollars a day, I'm partying all night, and it's so much fun. They got that Wolf of Wall Street mentality. That's not how it is, you know. What you see in that movie and what you see, what I do where I'm actually just sitting at the computer trading by myself alone all day is absolutely completely different. You just have to have a mindset to where you can go against the grain and go against what that natural human psychology is to where you can make money doing it. You know, to be fair, this this right now just hanging out here reminds me of a little bit of Wolf of Wall Street, but more of that TV show Billions. I encourage everyone to watch that. You know, we're sitting here, we're drinking, you know, whiskey, we're smoking e-cigs. <laughs> you know, we're hanging out in a penthouse. So it, it does a little bit feel like that. Yeah, I mean, and it, it does offer you that ability, and it's a very lucrative practice, but... It's not a lucrative practice until you show the discipline over time to be able to make it lucrative. Anything can be lucrative. I've, I've put 20,000 hours into trading at very minimum. Easy. They say you have to be uh, 10,000 hours to be a master at anything. And I'm still, I, I don't want to say I'm a master at it because it changes every day. You have to manipulate your strategy every day. You have to change things. You have to have information enough to be able to change. When the market has changed, you have to be able to adapt to that situation to make money. And if you can't, you'll end up as that other 2 or 3% that is, are that another 95 to 98% that isn't making money. And I think one other important fact that I've recognized especially in in uh, your stories have been that you've been able to overcome big losses and adversity. So when I think of the statistic, 97% of people in forex trading lose money. I imagine that a lot of those people took a bad hit and could never recover. Yeah. I mean, that's just a personality thing. I mean, a lot of people get in and they say, all right, I got $10,000. I'm going to trade with $5,000 and they lose that $5,000 and they've lost savings or they've lost whatever they thought they were going to make a lot of money off of. And they just, it's all about your confidence and, and really just wrangling your emotions. If you, if you lose a trade, a lot of people do what we like to call revenge trading in the industry. It's like, uh, say I'm trading the Euro and I make a couple buys and they're both losses. And I'm like, well, I'm going to make a bigger buy. I'm just going to keep making bigger buys until I get a win. And the market doesn't care what you're doing or it doesn't care about your statistics. It doesn't care about anything. What it's going to do is what you're not really expecting to do or what the average person isn't expecting to do. And it's going to kill you emotionally. It's very, very, very hard to come back after a loss. If you lose, uh, say, you know, I was talking earlier, I lost a million dollars, which was uh, in double digits of my total equity at the time. 
it was hard to come back from. And really the only way that I was able to come back with that was say, okay, we're going to go out. We're going to have a bunch of drinks. We're going to get drunk. We're going to forget about this. And we're going to come back fresh tomorrow and hope that we can start making this profit back. And yes, it will probably take a year to do it. But if you have that personality, just say, screw it. You know, I'm just going to take this time and be patient and use my discipline and my strategy to get back. You can get back. Wise words for investments of all types, I would say. Brian, for all those people out there that are thinking about new types of investments, maybe taking interest in Forex trading, what recommendations would you have for getting some type of base knowledge in Forex trading, maybe some reading, some maybe websites, literature of any type? You know, I could tell you an amazing book to read for any types of the 20 types of tradings that you can do. However, the best information that you can take is that every single person sees the market completely different. Uh, Ting's a really good trader. I'm a really good trader. We see the market a little different, you know? Um, and that's one of the things that you, that benefits you is you see it differently in your own eyes. And if you have the confidence to follow your own mind and your heart and your trades, you can make money. Um, two people can have two completely different outlooks on a currency and both make money from that currency. It's just because they two, see it two different ways doesn't mean it one way is wrong. Just they, they make money in a little different way than you. So as long as you have a strategy and you follow your rules every single time, you're not going to be in a situation where you're going to lose your money. But again, it just goes back to your personality and what type of person you are if you can recover from those losses and hold on to those wins as long as you can. So if someone says to you, like, I only want to see a fluctuation of a few percent because they're, they're scared, you know, investors, does that really kind of like uh, almost hold you back or castrate you on what you can it's do. not it's not a total castration the first thing i tell anybody before they do invest before they sign a contract i say can you take this money and set it on fire in front of me right now and if they say no i cannot i say you are not ready to invest and if they say yes i can i say then you are ready and the people that say yes i can you're ready are the people that are going to make money because they're not emotionally invested because once you get emotionally invested not just trading with anything in life you're just going to turn into a situation to where your emotions are making decisions and not your intelligence or your logic and you're going to lose money okay so hypothetically let's say i have 10k that i can just set on fire uh i guess first question is is that even enough and then would that be like what would the potential upside be and what would the potential downside be can i lose all 10k yeah yeah i mean i i would be a fool to sit here and say that you could not lose all 10k and i i would be an asshole for lying like that because anybody in the investment world knows that you can uh potentially the upside you can't say that because you know like i said i've had months i'm over 100 percent. i've had months where i've lost a couple percent you don't really know as far as minimums go honestly I have people of all types. It really just depends on um, that person. If I talk to that person and they have a good story, I'll take less money. I on, I don't like taking less than you know twenty, but if I have somebody that says I have five k, I have four kids, I'm sick, my wife has cancer, this and that, I'm not going to turn them away. I'm going to try to help them as much as I can. But I'll also be realistic with the person and say, listen. You need to save this money for hospital bills. So you need to save the money for that if you're not able to lose it. So, Brian, this is a good opportunity to tell me, am I being too weak in my downside uh, risk tolerance? Well, you know, 
five percent. It's starting to sound, you know, a little, a little, a little on the light side. Depends. You and and everybody else, you know, we deal with this. You know, obviously, you know, we like money and we like to make money for people. And ultimately, most people start to make a little money and they start smaller, and then they start to get bigger and they start to get bigger. I mean, it, it it's hard for me to say, yeah, because all you know, if you really want me to say the truth. Yeah, I want I want more money. I want you to do this. I, I want you to have more risk tolerance. But none of that matters. What really matters is what the person says or what the person agrees with, and then you go from there. Because if they if they say something and you do something else, you will hear about that every single day, and that is not worth it. Got it. Well, give me a comparable. Did I I, I was up basically thirty percent last year. Was I up? How is that compared to other clients that had different risk tolerances with you? Um, I'd say that you're probably on the the lower scheme as far as profit and equity goes, um, but you're also more of a safer. Your your drawdowns never gotten over nine percent, and other people that have had a, liar, a little higher tolerance has gotten to twenty thirty percent have made you know around double more because they have double the tolerance. But again, you know a lot of people that um our clients and and friends especially we like to take care because again it's a lot easier to not lose money than it is to make money if you're not losing money then then you're not really feeling bad about it if you're losing money then you start to second question your investment so it's not really worth it to you otherwise you just say hey you know screw it let's do it so i have something really fun that i think could be interesting okay if i give you five thousand dollars and we're just figuring tonight's like a night out in las vegas at a casino okay what is what is the highest trade you could make on 5k and what what like what's the potential upside and like is it a 50 50 risk like black white on on um at a casino on blackjack or like tell me some some fun scenario we could do with five thousand dollars i mean if we if we just had the window of tonight and you said here's 5k and the thing is as ting and i do this we come up with new strategies all the time and you know we'll put a 10 to 25 25 000 account to the side and try to use that strategy and see if it's beneficial if you can do that you know and and just not care at all and you see some good setups for the night then yeah you know you might be able to make 30 40 percent on 5k because you're going to take more risks naturally you're not worried about just losing that 5k and then just being homeless you know it's not one of those situations now if you said i'm going to give you two percent of my equity and i want you to do as much as you can it's a different story than if you say i'm going to give you 90 percent of my equity if you give me a million dollars and you say how much you're going to make tonight i'm going to say I'm not going to make you more than a couple percent, no matter how many chances we take, because I'm not going to be responsible for losing that much. But if you say, I'm going to give you 5K, let's just have a night where we just see how much we can make while we sit out here and drink whiskey. You know what? We can take some wild chances and you may make 60, 70%. You just never know. But the, the option with the higher leverage is there. It's not responsible trading, but if it's for fun and experiment, we can do it. And if you add whiskey into the mix, who knows what we can do? Sounds like a lot of fun. I think we're not going to commit to this right here, but I'm. I'm if you want to commit to this, leaning. we can do this right now. What you're going to do is you're going to give me five thousand cash. Do we have to do five thousand? Just cash right here. Just throw it on this chest table Does right that here. Have to be cash. I only have bot, and it's small. I mean, if you you know five thousand and bot, can we pull money from my account and do it? Yeah, but it's going to take a couple of days. It's going to break the experiment. Oh, that's just like it's not cool if we don't do it on the spot. Well, I mean, I could probably. I have an account with ten k in it right now. We could just. It's flat. We could just do some really crazy things. So maybe uh, instead of uh, putting it on the spot, maybe we just we're gonna 
going to do this, and then we're going to report back on on it. Right, in, so basically, uh, we're just going to take Sam out of the spotlight for his words yeah. right now. Basically, I'm gonna we don't want to put him too much. We don't want to put too much pressure account. on him for his 5K. So I was hesitant to hand my uh, the mic because I had a feeling after we, we've had almost a full bottle. We, well, we actually have finished. We finished the entire bottle of this Jack Daniel Platinum right now, uh, and we had Johnny. Sorry. Johnny Walker Platinum, and we had uh, two. What were the drinks we had on the roof? Tom Collins. Okay, so we had two Tom Collins at our hotel in Bangkok. These guys don't drink enough. Had an entire bottle of, of, of Johnny Walker, and I, I knew if I handed Sam this mic that he might commit to something crazy. So I'm glad he did it because this is actually kind of. I mean, I felt like he kind of committed to it, but then once it, when it became real, he decided not. But it's okay because what we can do. But you know me, I don't want to put things off for two days. So if we can do it now and just roll I'll with it, I'll tell you what I'm we're going to do right now. I got an account with $10,000 in it okay. and it's flat. Um, so what did I'm going to say five or 10, you said, well, you said five, <laughs> but I don't have a five account. That's flat. I do have an experimental account. That's 10 though. Um, so I bet if I opened it up right now, we could just make some really silly trades and see what happens. So do you have a, an idea of the trade that, that we are going to make, or do we have to look? I at mean, I, I've just been talking to you. I haven't really been looking at the market. I'm, I'm not going to just jump into a trade with all of the money. Um, Without knowing, like but if you, if you give me like a, spontaneity, if you give me a couple minutes here. Let's see here. Uh, maybe maybe we'll buy some gold right now. Um, maybe go about a uh, million dollars leveraged on gold long. Um, so just a disclaimer: this is definitely not. This is not how you trade. This is not how you trade. This is not how I trade. This is Sam's fault. This is what Sam's doing right so, now. Wait, wait, is this a, is this a, this is a this is gonna be my money, but it's gonna be in your account. It's not gonna be Sam's money. It's gonna be my money because I can't transfer it out of Sam's this account. Fantastic. Fast enough. So I get all the excitement with zero risk. And do I get do I get the share in this upside? No, no, you don't. <laughs> but if we get the downside, you don't get the share of that either. So it's kind of to your benefit. What if we make a deal that if there's a big upside, then we put that money towards something fun in Bangkok together? I, and if there's a downside, then nothing. We leave what if we make the deal? If gone. we if we make some money, we'll put it some fun. If we lose the money, we'll take it out of your account. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'll, head. What nod. I've learned tonight is that if we give Sam options, he's gonna say no. It's okay. <laughs> Sam Sam can talk big about it, but he can't I'm, follow it through. I'm very agreeable. I'll just I'll just go with a head nod and a, okay. I'll just say a verbal yes. Okay, Why not? That, you have to be verbal because nobody can see us right now. So I'm definitely glad that. I'm not a part of this financially, at least. But this is that, to be honest, this is the exact reason why I agreed to start this podcast with Sam. Is if it wasn't for this, there's no way I would have flown down to Bangkok, you know, stayed at this you know baller hotel, got to meet all these cool people, uh, and you know, and so far we're we're absolutely losing money with this podcast, especially with Sam buying. Well, we don't know how this trade. Well, hold on, we don't. We're gonna put. We in don't Brian's know if we've hand. lost money yet. Well, hold on. We know dollar. Sam's lost money, but we don't know if I have yet. But so last week I did something spontaneous on the show. Uh, if you guys haven't listened to episode two, I committed. I think it was. I don't remember how much. A couple, a couple thousand dollars a month into Wealthfront to to automatically invest. But even though that was on the spot and I just clicked the button just while live on the show, I know the potential downside of that is is very, very slim because it's, you know, mostly index funds and, you know, other kind of boring things. But the potential upside is also very low. You know, I mean, I would say, you know, by the grace of God, it'd be 10%. Yeah, I but mean, most likely. But that's, you know, that's, they're taught uh, at 
early stages to not lose money. Um, making money at a small rate is better than losing money at a greater rate. But uh, so, uh, so I'm curious, what is the ideal timeline? So, like, let's say you know, uh, someone like me gave you ten grand, right? What would the timeline? How long would you want me to to keep that with you before I I, I cash out or I move it? it it's a it just, again, this is discretion from client to client. We we prefer not to do under three years because we typically see a huge event that really shakes things up every couple of years. And so if that happens, we get to be in a position to where we have plenty of time to make it back. But the absolute minimum that we would hold on to something is a year because anything before a year is just gambling and it's not. It's not worth the investment. Okay, so ideally three years, but if if it's up, can they take it out? Yeah, of course. I mean, if it's up, what we do uh, for the most part is we say a year, and then uh, if they're up and they want to take money out, then they're allowed to take money out, especially their profit. You know, uh, we encourage people to keep their main uh, their main equity in there for at least three years. But again, you know, some people have emergencies, some people can, some people can't. Ultimately, it just comes down to investor to investor. Okay, so just out of curiosity, so if if I had money and you're making me thirty percent a year, I'm very happy to pay you for your for your services, especially because I see the amount of work that you put into. It. I, I I can see that you know you're not just setting it up once and then a year later taking a look to see oh maybe we should move uh, a couple of these shares from VTI to you know VXUS. So you actually you know you're actively working. Yeah, so yeah. like what what like what is your your fee or well, what is this your is cost? actually something that we do that nobody else does. Um, I don't do a profit share with anybody. Um, for the most part, anybody you find will do a 50 to 25% profit share at minute with you. So if you invest 10 and you make 10, they're going to take 5,000 of that. Um, and then you're going to make 50%. You're going to be happy and they're going to take 50% and they're going to be happy. But what we have a partnership with our broker because we've done so much business with them. So what we do is if you say you pay for a standard lot, $20 a commission to the broker, now we get $8 of that. So instead of taking profit share away from the client, which we don't like to do because we want them to see their full profit, we take profit share from the broker. And so the the client doesn't see it. The client doesn't know anything that's happening. We make our money that way. The broker loses a little money, but they're still making money on the commissions. And it makes our clients much happier because they know whatever percentage they make, they're not cutting that in half and giving it to us. I like that. So client point of view... They're not really paying any fees directly. The client pays zero fees. Um, if if you've been a client for several years and you have tons of money and I've put in 10,000 hours at the end of the year, you may get charged uh, a 1% fee. Um, but that's nothing. You know, If you make 40, 60, 100%, you get charged 1%. That's, that's not a, a profit share. That's just an account management fee. And the account management fee that's standard in the industry is about 2%. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. So I guess some, some disclaimers to people. So this is high risk, high reward. So it's, definitely, let, I would like to cut in it. right here uh, about the high risk. Everybody likes to say that Forex is the most risky market in the world. And I would like to say that it is if you do not know what you're doing, if you do not follow your rules. However, every investment you'll ever make, if you follow a standard set of rules will be the same amount of risk. I know that if something goes against me, I'm going to cut it out and close it off before it becomes too risky. And it's those are the people that are going to make money. And it's the people that cannot cut their losses that will lose all their money. I like it. So, Sam, uh, any kind of last questions? Actually, are we still doing this live trade? Is this something that's on? I'm actually looking at it right now. So what we're going to do is uh, I'm going <laughs> – 
I'm going to just look around here and see if there's anything that's tempting, um, which I'm not really seeing. I feel like I might be forcing let's, something. Let's, but I'll let's tell you not what, rush it. Let's not rush it. I'm not going to necessarily now, rush is, uh, it, but I'm going to short the pound versus the Aussie right now. We're going to short the pound versus actually, the Aussie dollar. Actually, no one ever liked the Aussie dollar, did they? <laughs> Nobody likes it now. <laughs> um, actually, I'm going to wait for it to go up just a little bit. I need a, okay. I need a, I need a better take, candle. Brian, take your time. Let's not jump I mean, this is, this is Sam's money right now, so it doesn't matter. Is, we can lose as much as we want. So if I got to just lose. I bought the whiskey. I just want to put that on the record. He did He did buy the whiskey. Sadly, now, he's, now not gonna talking, be able to, he's not going to be able to afford whiskey anymore. How many bottles is $5,000 worth $100 whiskey? Quick math. 500 or 50? 50. 50. 50. Okay, so it's 50 bottles of this delicious platinum. So let's let's put that in context. It's not just paper money. It's 50 bottles of this delicious platinum whiskey. That would last us probably half a year, the three of us. Okay, yeah, it would last me at least time. two weeks. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a business expense for all your right, office. So I'm just going to start shorting this pound Aussie right now. And I think over the next couple hours, it's probably going to get okay, some downside. So we'll, we're going to have a conclusion to this in a couple hours. We'll be sure to include it in the show notes, maybe even a post audio, depending on how it goes. Um, if things go really well, we'll probably have a big night out tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think a post audio is going to be good, whether it goes good or bad. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good point. So um, There's nothing like forcing trades that aren't there. Absolutely. Why not? Well, in a moment of glory. Is there anything else that uh, that listeners should know for... If they, they want to find out more about your company, yeah. Or maybe uh, first and foremost, I want to say if you if you want to if you want to be an investor, if you want to start trading or learn how to trade, um, do not think that it's easy. Do not think there is not a huge learning curve. Do not think that you can stare at the market for an hour a day for a year and know what you're doing. Uh, this takes 20 hours a day, every single day, looking at the market thousands and thousands of hours, every type of movement, every type of indicator, uh, the amount of information you have to take in without changing your mind is absolutely unreal. If you're just a, a relaxed investor, there's no reason to get into the Forex market. If you're looking to make money and you want somebody to manage your accounts, you know that's what we do, that's what we're here for. But if you're somebody that's intelligent and you really want to be an investor and really want to learn, it's going to take a lot of hours. And that's one of the reasons that we've become successful is because people want to become traders because they hear how great it is and they start to try to learn to become a trader and they realize it's the most difficult thing in the world. And so they quit because they can't handle the losses or the wins or, you know, wins are just as, just as hard to take emotionally as the losses are. You get a couple wins, you get greedy, you get cocky, then you lose everything. So ultimately you just have to know that if you do want to be a trader, you got to put in thousands and thousands of hours before you become a success. I like it. Uh, Brian, thank you for being so open and upfront and honest with everyone. Uh, I really feel like you are one of the unicorns in the FX world. Uh, so, you know, it's awesome knowing that there are people that put in as much time and effort as you. And especially, you know, hearing the story from you going broke, living in your car to being a multimillionaire now uh, just through Forex. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I, I am curious, though, like, I because, you, you know, everyone um, – knows now you know that forex is a kind of a risky investment that has a huge upside but also has a, a big downside what is your personal investment portfolio like well, like what percentage of your 
of your investments do you put into forex and then i put what- all of my investments into forex the only investments that i don't have that are in my main accounts are side accounts that are experiments i i truly i have a hard time investing in anything else because if somebody says i want to start this business i want 50k uh maybe you'll get your money back in a couple years to myself i think well if i have 50k and i have a couple years i might make two or three hundred percent i might make eighty percent and that's going to give me way more than my money back. So it's hard for me to invest in other things other than Forex because I know that my standards of Forex are so high. I don't want to manipulate that money in a situation to where I can't make as much money as I could doing other things. I really respect people who put their, their money where their mouth is. Uh, and I assume it's a significant amount of money too, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we manage uh, last year was around 12 mil. Uh, this year is around 14 mil. Um, with our own, it's, it's low seven figures. Uh, this year, you know, we took some hits mainly just because, uh, the oil business, we lost clients. I didn't say not take some hits, but the oil business is so bad in my, in my home States that, uh, a lot of my clients have lost their money and had to pull out just because, you know, they're trying to make money to feed their family. The oil situation in the States is really bad. We've relied on that for so long. It's our main industry. And now it's just dying, especially with Tesla and all these electronic cars coming out. It's really taking some big hits. And I'm watching some of my closest friends be in really, really bad situations. Okay, so with like something like index funds, so let's say I own a thousand shares of VTI and it's currently at one oh four. If it drops down to, you know, sixty, it like cuts in half, I still own a thousand shares of VTI. And as long as I can hold on to it. You know, I can kind of hope that eventually go back up. But either way, I'll always own a thousand shares unless I sell. Well, you can't say always in the in any market. Uh, Forex, stock, securities, ETFs doesn't matter. Blue chips, whatever you're doing, you can never say always. You can never say for sure. You can never say guarantee. Those are words that I was taught not to say at the very beginning because you're giving clients false beliefs. Ultimately, you know, you make an investment. There are no posi- There are no guarantees. There are no for sure things. You know, you do it. You put the money at risk and you go from there and just see how it goes. And, and ultimately, it's going to be whoever's managing your portfolio, what type of strategy and discipline they have is going to be how much money you're making. I like it. So um, it's, been, it's been amazing knowing, you know, seeing this high risk, high reward uh, type of investment. Uh, next week, we are going to have the complete opposite. We're going to do annuities, fixed rate, 2%, maybe 3%. Uh, contracts without the the potential upside of 30% like Sam made last year or 80% or maybe even more uh, on the on the upside. Yeah, you know, like I said, we've had we've had a year, our best year on records over a thousand percent. However, you know, that was one of our more risky years when we were getting to getting adjusted to everything. Uh, I would never talk poorly about an ETF or a blue chip or an annuity because for the people that aren't willing to put in thousands and thousands of hours this is a great route to take to secure your future and to make a little bit money because the banks are only going to give you a point two, a point five, you know per year but if you can get into a blue chip that's going to give you three to four percent that's still a way better decision if you're not willing to take risks and and uh, learn how to trade yourself i like it uh, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to check out your, your services and your website, where can they go? Um, I have a website. I teach Forex education. I live trade on it. I've got a screen share. You can come in and see every single thing that my account's doing every single day, every single minute. I'm always in there. It's artoffx.com, no spaces. 
Uh, and again, you know, you can sign up, you can send me a message as soon as you get in the website. Uh, the, the website's under construction right now. However, it's still online, uh, before the newer format comes out and all of the internal facilities that we have are still lively and running well. Very cool. And I highly encourage all of you guys check out investlikeaboss.com to see the show notes for episode three. So you can see some of the behind the scenes footage. You can see the six screens behind Brian and Sam. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a sight to see. One other thing we can do is we'll post a chart of my 2015 performance. Is that okay, Brian? Yeah, that's completely fine. That's up we to you. As we'll, we'll show, uh, you can see the, the charts. You can get an idea of the trades that are going on regularly, the, uh, the linear progression and, um, and a little bit more of a, uh, illustration of, of a year in Forex. So Brian, thanks again from, on behalf of both of us and the podcast, And for all the listeners out there, be sure to tune in next week for a special on annuities with uh, a guest, Stan, the annuity man. Uh, Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for listening to the Best Like a Boss podcast. Join our mailing list at investlikeaboss.com to get exclusive access to our insider investment portfolios and our private members forum. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends and leave us a review in the iTunes store. It helps more than you know. See you guys next week.